morning, America. Good afternoon, Eretz Yisrael. Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim Aran. We dedicate the learning today, Li'iloi Nishmas, Yacha Bas Rebel Yochaim Halevi, whose yard site is on the third of Ador, and Li'iloi Nishmas, Nachman Shimshon, Rebavram Ephraim Yisrael, whose yard site is on Hey Ador, and Li'iloi Nishmas, Tami Bas Herschel Tzvi, and Reb Tami Bas Herschel Tzvi and Reb Shimshon Bereb Nosen, whose yard site are on Hey Ador. Sorry, the yard site of Nachman Shimshon Bereb Avram Ephraim Yisrael was on Gimel Ador. We dedicate the learning for a complete Rafua Shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Bas Galia, Yantafradl Bas Pesel, Edith Bas Miriam Brindle, Shimon Eliezer ben Rochel, Daniel ben Rivka, Yehudis bas Chana, Menachem ben Rishabasha, Michal Sora bas Hadassah, Besuch Shar Choyli Yisrael. We're continuing in Chaim Aran, the section Sichois HaShayochem LaToyres, paragraph 88. Rav Nosenthal says that I, I spoke to Rav Enazal at the time that he gave the shir chapter 234 in Likud Imran, where he speaks about the incredible importance of stories of tzaddikim. And Rabbeinazal said that he himself, his main inspiration and motivation to want to serve Hashem when he was a child came especially by hearing stories of tzaddikim. And he said, that in his parents' house, all the tzaddikim, all the students of the Baal Shem Tov used to gather there because they were part of the, the community in Mezhebush, which is the city of the Baal Shem Tov, And many of them would actually stay in the house, in that house, the house of the Baal Shem Tov, after the Baal Shem Tov passed away <clears throat> when they would visit. And Rabbi Nezal said he got to hear many stories of tzaddikim. And this is what gave him his main inspiration and motivation to serve Hashem. And to, he was zerched to what he was zerched to, obviously. And this definitely applies today to people that have children, that one of the most powerful quality items to share with children is stories of tzaddikim. Today, the culture that we're surrounded with and unfortunately, sometimes friends that people have and all kinds of other in negative influences that are affecting children. And if they're not getting major positive influence, how in the world are they supposed to do the right thing? This is why it's so important to have books and, and to share stories of tzaddikim with children. Each child, you need to understand each child, what they can hear, what they can't hear, What'll, what they need, and to try to give them the, the motivation and inspiration that they can get from hearing stories about how good people lived. Paragraph 89, Peites. Rav Nusenthal says that I once heard from one of Rav students that he was telling Rav about the fact that people had suggested a particular shidduch for him. And the person said to Rabbein Azal, 
that's not my place. I don't feel that my place is there. That's the wording that he used. And Rabbi Nizal responded to him. Rabbi Nizal said that when a person has the heart of a Jew, then they're not limited by any kind of place because the heart is spiritual. The heart has the divine presence of Hashem in it. And the divine presence of Hashem is everywhere and could be everywhere so that the person could find their place anywhere. And this is a very important point. We've spoken about this in the past regarding the tzaddik, that Rabbi Nassau's definition of the tzaddik is that the tzaddik is with the highest level people and the lowest level people. He can relate to all of them on their level. And the people who want to come close to the tzaddik have to also strive for that kind of a quality to be able to relate to all different types of people, to be able to, to relate to them and to engage them in conversation and to be able to benefit, to, to accomplish when relating to all kinds of people. I remember when my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld was sick, was very sick. Towards the end of his life, he was in the hospital and there were different people that came to visit him. One of the people that came to visit him was Rabbi Yaakov Yafin. I believe it's a Zechorin Levrach. I believe he's not no longer living. He was a Chavrusa with, with Rav Rosenfeld in their, when they were in their 20s, 20s, late 20s, maybe early 30s, learning the deepest portions of, of Halacha and Gemara together. And he was the Rosh Yeshiva. He took over as Rosh Yeshiva after his father, Abavrami, after passed away, who was one of the leading, if not the leading Rosh Yeshiva in the Torah world at that time. And this Rabavrami Afin was a, a huge Talmud Chacham. And one of Rav Rosenfeld's students was visiting him at the same time as this Rabbi Yaakov Yafin. I believe it was David Asulin. And David Asulin wasn't, isn't a Rosh Yeshiva? He's a businessman, but because he spent a lot of quality time with Rav Rosenfeld and learned a lot from him, when they met together at the time in the hospital visiting Rav Rosenfeld, David Asulin spoke, he told all the things, and Rabbi Yaakov Yafin, I heard, was shocked. He was shocked to see that a businessman could share such wonderful Torah with him, such incredible things that he enjoyed hearing. Paragraph Tzaddik, Rav writes that when Rav told me the Dvar Torah that's presented in chapter 86 in the second half of Likut Imran, which is based on a Pasuk in Parshas Vo'era in Chumash, where the Pasuk says that the Jews were suffering tremendously in Egypt, from shortness of breath, in a sense, and shortness of spirit, and hard labor that the Egyptians put them through. And in that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbeinu Zal writes that when a person's emuna is weak, when a person is lacking in emuna in faith, <clears throat> that necessitates the person having to perform difficult things to serve Hashem, like fasting and other difficult things. But that's when a person's emuna is weak. When a person's emuna is solid, then they don't have to fast. They, don't, they, they can serve Hashem with things that don't necessarily rep, 
are not a struggle or difficult. And Rabbi Nassau elaborates on this over there in chapter 86. So Rabbi Nassau says, when I heard this, I stood there surprised, very surprised. And I was trying to think like, why is he telling this to me? Like, why am I hearing this? Because it seemed to me that that was a, one of my strong, my better areas, emuna, that I was pretty serious about my emuna in Hashem, my emuna sadikim. And he says, Rabbein spoke up a little bit angrily. And Rabbein said, and, and if you have emuna, you don't have emuna in yourself. You don't believe in yourself. Hosti indir ken emuna in it. You don't have any emuna in yourself. And, it, and then Rabbein quoted a Gemara in Soita, page 48, where the Gemara quotes a Pasuk, Kimi boz leyoim ktanois, a Pasuk in Zharyanavi. And the Gemara there says, what caused Sadikim that they shouldn't really receive their full table in the future world? That they're sort of, they, they shortchange themselves. And the Gemara says there, it's katnus, it's their smallness. They were small. In what were they small? They were small in their emuna. In what emuna? In emuna in themselves. They didn't believe in themselves. They didn't believe in themselves. Now, Rav points out, Rashi over there in the Gemara explains the katnus as Katnus in Emuna, lack of faith in Hashem, in being willing to spend money easily to be able to do a mitzvah in the best manner possible, to, to want my mitzvah to be a Rolls Royce, a Cadillac, a Ferrari. I want the best when it comes to a mitzvah. I want the best paratzitzis, the best felon, the best Megillah for Purim. But Rav says, that's how Rashi Kodesh explains it. But Rav Nosanzal says, if you look at the exact wording in the Gemara there, the wording is katnus shehoyo bohem, a smallness that was in them, in themselves. So Rav Nosanzal says, it seems that Rav interpretation is closer to the exact wording of the Gemara, that the the what the Gemara is referring to is that the lack of emuna was lack of faith in themselves, in believing in themselves. <laughs> Meaning that they didn't believe that Hashem is good to everyone and that we also are important to Hashem. Hashem also loves us and considers everything we do very important, very significant. And that's the katnus. That was this katnus of emunah that they didn't believe in themselves. And Rav Nosanzal says, you can also relate what Rashi says to this also, that if a person doesn't look at themselves as being important, significant, then again, however I do the mitzvah is okay. It doesn't, it, it's not going to matter that much to Hashem if my mitzvah is first class or second class, because I don't matter that much to Hashem. So, so the two pirushans sort of go together. And Rav Nosanzal now says that what we understand from what Rav is saying over there is that a person has to believe in themselves, 
that I also am very beloved to Hashem. Because based on how incredibly good Hashem is, even I am important to him. And Rav Nassar says, this, we've spoken about this several times, that it's not considered humility for a person to be in moichen dekatnus. Moichen dekatnus means constricted consciousness. Moichen dekatnus means when a person says, ah, I'm nothing, well, it doesn't matter what I do, or, or Hashem isn't impressed with me, or that, that kind of attitude. And, and Rav Nassar says a person has to really devote time and, and energy pleading with Hashem to be to true humility. True humility is not moichen dekatnus. It's not, it's not thinking that I'm nobody and, and what I do doesn't matter. On the contrary, a Jew is supposed to realize, the Gemara says, that our attitude is supposed to be as if the scales are evenly balanced in the world between good and bad. And the next move that I'm going to make, if I do something good, I can tip the scales favorably for the entire world. I can make the whole world be judged in a positive way. And if chas v'shalom, I do the wrong thing, I can tip the scales negatively for the entire world. So a person is supposed to have humility, know that everything good that I have comes from Hashem, and I thank Hashem, and I appreciate Hashem, and and I turn to Hashem for everything that I need. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I'm worthless. That doesn't mean that what I do isn't important, isn't significant. On the contrary, it's very, very important. Any questions, please? Nelson, um, is, is this lack of amuna in ourselves also really a lack of amuna in Hashem? In other words, if, if we know that we have a chelik aloka mimal, if we know that, that the Rabboni Shalom put us in, on this earth for our own tafkid, without which the world can't be complete, then if we make ourselves little, it's almost chas v'shalom, like we're making his importance. We're, we're minimizing that. Most definitely. Most definitely. And when we talk about chas v'shalom insulting another Jew or anything like that, the Mephoshim point out, be careful because you're insulting Hashem. Like you said, every person has part of Hashem inside of them. And, and like you pointed out, if, if, I, if I look at myself as meaningless, ins, insignificant, I'm saying that the Hashem inside of me is insignificant. And, and a person definitely doesn't want to go near there. Chas v'shalom. Definitely. There's a pasuk vayigba liboy bedarke Hashem, which is written about Yehoshaphat, and Rabbeinu speaks about this in Likutimran, that there are times when a person has to feel proud that I, Baruch Hashem, I got up this morning on time, I got to shul on time, I daven shachris, I did a mitzvah, <clears throat> I made breakfast for my husband so that he can he can do what he needs to do. All the different things that a person does to to feel a pride in it. But again, there are, two, there are two different scenarios in a person's life. When a person's feeling very, very good about themselves, then it's important not to, not to, to put too much emphasis on that, not to say, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, you know, it's a, and has shown go towards any gaiva, any arrogance. 
But but when a person's feeling down, when, when the Eight Sahara is bombarding us, as is usually the case, especially nowadays, get causing people to lose their self-confidence and 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 not to, to not to have any self-respect and all of that negativity and negativity, it's extremely important to, to focus on what we're saying here. For a person to always be able to see the good in themselves and be positive and focus on the good things that I did. Of course, I recognize that I'm making mistakes. And when I have his splitidus, during that period of time when I have his splitidus, then I'll, I'll mention the mistakes that I've made. I'll apologize. I'll do video, et cetera. But the rest of the day, simcha, 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 and focusing on the positive. Because in our times, the Sahara is incredibly powerful against everybody, everybody, especially the youth, you know, causing people to, to, to not to feel self-worth, Rahman al-Islam. And, and it leads to the worst things. It leads to depression and the worst of the worst. Anyone else, please? Rabbi? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, just wondering, uh, when you mentioned uh, um, so although we understand that that's, you know, like our neshama, but I know when people hear that, they get a little bit confused and they say, well, if I have a I'm a portion of Hashem. So then a person could pray to a uh, one person can pray to another person because they're praying to Hashem inside that person. Like how is it best understood? Sure, we definitely don't want to go there at all. We never pray to a human being. We can ask a human being to help us both a physical human being or a tzaddik or a, a, even a tzaddik who has passed away. We can ask the tzaddik to use their merit to help us in, in before Hashem or, or to plead our case before Hashem, that kind of thing. But we're never praying to a human being. So again, you're right. There's always a fine line. It's always, that's why we say in our prayer, v'hoser soton milfanenu o me'acharenu. Hashem, please remove the, the opposing force from in front of us and from in back of us. Sometimes the Satan is standing in front of us, blocking us from getting close to Hashem. Sometimes he's standing in back of us, shoving us to go further, to do more, to do too much, that kind of thing. To want to be very good in a way that's, that's harmful, Chas Vashon. And that's why it's so important to come close to Tzadikim and to learn the words of Tzadikim. Because when the Torah speaks about our connection to the tzaddik, it says, don't deviate to the right or to the left from what the rabbis tell you. Meaning that there's a right and a left and a center. And a true rabbi is one who enlightens his students to know what's right and what's left and what's center. And he leads them on that center, that path, that healthy, righteous path not to make mistakes in either direction. Rav Nassim speaks about this in the context of prayer. We find that in chapter 2 in Likud Imran, 
Rabbeinu Zal speaks about prayer and he compares it to a sword. And he says, just like when a person has a sword, it's very important that you know to strike to the center, to the, to the bullseye, to hit the target. Not if a person has a sword and they strike to the left or to the right of the target, they won't defeat their opponent. <clears throat> so Rav Zal and Nikutela and, and Rav Zal relates this to tefillah, which is compared to a sword. They praise Hashem with their throats and they hold a double-edged sword in their hand. So Rav Zal explains what's the right and the left by prayer. The, the left is a person saying prayer doesn't work. There's no such thing as Hashem, chas v'shom, or Hashem isn't interested in your prayer. He's got more important things to think about. That's one attitude. That's Esav. Esav is Miloshan Asiya. Do. Don't give me this praying nonsense. Go work. Don't, don't pray for Parnassah. Go work. Put in some more time at work. You'll make more money. Praying isn't going to help you, that type of attitude. That's Esav. And there's another attitude of Yishmoel. Yishmoel is Shamakel. You prayed already. Hashem heard your prayer. It's enough. You don't have to pray so many times. You know, you, you, you did enough, that kind of thing. And both are mistaken. Both are wrong. That, that on one hand, even though a person needs to do and do, but one of the most important things to do, one of the best forms of hishtadlus is prayer, prayer to Hashem. And at the same time, when a person has prayed and is putting an effort into praying, to know that, that it's not fast food, it's not real time. Very often, the, the Pesach says, Kaveel Hashem, Chazak Hashem. That pray to Hashem, toughen yourself up and pray to Hashem, meaning that most of the time it's going to require another prayer and another prayer. And, and not to hold back, not to assume I prayed already, I, I did my part and that's it. But to really continually put in as much effort as we can. The next paragraph, 91, goes into the topic of the Tikkunah Chloe, which Rabbein Azar revealed. <clears throat> and here Rabbein Azar tells the whole story behind what was involved in Rabbi Nachman revealing this secret, these 10 chapters of Tehillim, this formula, which when a person recites these 10 chapters of Tehillim, Rabbi Nezal revealed that it's a tikkun, it's a correction, it's a repair for one of the worst sins in, in Judaism, which is called Mikre Laila, where a person wastes seed, a person during an emission, during the nighttime, which is caused by a person thinking sinful thoughts during the day or looking at things that they shouldn't look at during the day, and that causing this kind of emission during the nighttime when a person's sleeping. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll talk, we'll elaborate on this. But here, Rav Nassim begins, that chapter 92 in the second half of Likut Imran begins with the words, Tikkun lemikro laila rachman that a way to repair the damage that's caused by this mikre laila, this thing that happens to a person during the night, is to recite these 10 chapters of Tehillim, which are also explained and discussed in chapter 205 in the first part of Likut Imran. 
Rav Nassim says now, and he talks on like on a very personal level. He says, Da Ochi, know my brother. That when Rabbi Nassim first began to speak about this, as it's presented over there in chapter 205, I was there at the time. I'm sorry, Rabbi Nassim says, I was not there at the time. However, Hashem helped me. And shortly after that time, I, I, I came to see Rabbi Nassim. And one of the students told me about this, that Rabbi Nachman spoke about this, <clears throat> that there are, that a, a Jew reciting 10 chapters of Tehillim serves as a tikkun for this sin. And Rabbi Nassim says, while at that time when I was hearing about this from this person, I discussed this with Rabbi Nassim himself, and sure enough, he repeated to me that chapter 205 on the Kutimran, and he summarized it for me. Now, at that time, he had not specified at all a specific 10 chapters. I heard that, he, but however, I heard that Rabbi Nezal said it would be, would be the right thing to reveal which, which 10 chapters specifically are, are most important for this. However, any 10 chapters of Tehillim that a person says are a tikkun for this, because all 10 chapters of Tehillim, whichever ones they are, all correspond to the 10 types of song upon which the book of Tehillim is based on. This is something that the Gemara mentions, the Zohar Kodesh mentions, and the first Rashi in Tehillim points this out, that the book of Tehillim was composed by 10 tzaddikim. The majority of it is from Davra Melech, but there were nine other tzaddikim that contributed, including Moshe Rabbeinu, Adam Arishon, Asaf, the son of Korach, David Amelech, uh, different different tzaddikim, and that that the book of Tehillim is comprised of ten different types of song, lamanatzeach, shir, mizmor, different. Now, Rabbi Nusenzal continues that when Rabbi Nusenzal had revealed that chapter of the Kutimran two o five, Rabbi Nusenzal said that the first step is mikvah. That a person, the Ershta is mikvah. The first thing a person needs to do when they realize that they had this type of an emission during the nighttime is mikvah. And then to recite these ten, 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 to recite ten chapters of Tehillim. Rav Nusenzal says at another occasion when Rav Nusenzal spoke about this, he stressed that it's very, very important for the person to go to the mikvah on that day when this happens to a person. And even if the person cannot get to the mikvah in the morning, which is usually the, the time that it's advised to go as early in the morning as possible, still, they should try to go within that day, even in the late afternoon, because it's very, very important to try to dip in the mikvah on the day that this happens this accidental emission that we're speaking about. And there's a note here that take a look at, again at the Sichoi Saran, where Rabbi Nezal said it's very, very good to go to the mikvah immediately, as soon as possible, after this happens. 
Now Rav Nassim Sal continues. However, afterwards, almost four years later, and Rav Nassim Sal says you could imagine what went on during those four years, and Rabbein Sal had already contracted the sickness, the tuberculosis, which he passed away from, <clears throat> and he had already returned from the city of Lemberg. Then one time during the winter, Rabbein Sal was lying in his bed, and we were standing near him, and he began to discuss this topic, the 10 chapters of Tehillim, which are a tikkun for Mikra And then Rabbein Sal instructed me to write down on a piece of paper, psukim, special sentences from the Torah that, are, that allude to these 10 types of song. And I sat and I wrote, and Rabbi Nezal read to me each one of these psukim that are relevant to, to the 10 types of song. And that's which are presented again in the second half of Likutei Moran, chapter 92. And that was when Rabbi Nezal revealed that he, he wants to actually reveal which specific 10 chapters of Tehillim a person is supposed to say on that day. And we were standing there hoping very much that Rabbi Nezal would reveal it. And, and we weren't as He didn't. Afterwards, we left. Rabbi Nezal says, I, I went home. And then I was by Rabbi Nezal once on a Shabbos. And Hashem made it happen that I saw a, a handwritten note of Rabbi Nezal where Rabbi Nezal had written down which 10 chapters, the numbers of the chapters, the 10 chapters. However, I felt that it was disrespectful for me to take that, that piece of paper without his permission. But, but I thought, let me try to memorize it. Let me try to memorize the numbers of these chapters. And Rabbi Nezal says, I couldn't. I couldn't remember it out of fear of the rabbi that he shouldn't be upset with me that I that he didn't give me permission to look at this or to, to, to remember it. Because what happened was I had to go into the room for something else. And I saw that without being given permission specifically to look at it. And Rav Nosanzal says this took place on the Shabbos of Parsha Shkolim of the year 5,570, which means the Parsha Shkolim before Rabbi Nachman passed away. Where Rabbi Nizal had left his room and gone into the larger room for the Torah reading, to hear the Torah reading. And then Rabbi Nizal had to go into Rabbi Nizal's room for something else. And he saw this, this piece, this handwriting of Rabbi Nizal. Then on Sunday, Rabbi Nizal says, when I was saying goodbye to Rabbi Nizal, I was going to return home. He spoke, I spoke to him about this. And I asked him to please reveal to me which 10 chapters, because I knew that they were already written down. And Rabbi Nizal didn't want to. And he said, there'll be, there'll be time for this. And I left. Afterwards, not too long afterwards, Rabbi Nizal says, at a time when I was home in my house in the city of Nemerov, Rabbi Nizal revealed the actual 10 chapters of Tehillim to the rabbi of the city of Breslov, Rabbi Aranzal, who was one of Rabbi Nizal's close students. 
and to my friend Rab Naftali from Nemerov, who was there at the time. And Rabbi Nassau appointed them as witnesses. And he said, he said, since <clears throat> regarding this item, this type of an accidental emission during the night, three quarters of people are, are prone to this. It happens to them. Therefore, and we know the Zerakovish speaks about this as major, major serious item, that when this seed comes out of the person in that manner, it's, it's an example of wasting seed, which causes souls to be brought into the world that don't have bodies to go into. It's a terrible, terrible thing. So Rabbi Nezal said to these two students, I'm taking both of you as witnesses, that I'm, I'm making this statement now in front of two witnesses, that these 10 chapters of Tehillim are very, very helpful in correcting this, the damage that's caused by this sin. And they are a complete tikkun, and they help tremendously, very, very much. Rabbi Nezal went on to explain, there are times that this will happen to a person because they ate too much or they drank too much before going to sleep. Or it could happen sometimes because of, out of exhaustion, a person's overtired or very exhausted from a difficult day, and that causes it to happen. Or as a result of the person not sleeping properly, the Gemara says a person's not supposed to sleep on their stomach, face down, and a person's not just supposed to sleep on their back, face up. A person's supposed to sleep on the side, on the so when they're sleeping, to lie on their side. During the first part of the night, to lie on the left side, and during the middle of the night, if a person can, to switch to the right side. <clears throat> and there are reasons given why the left side first, because it allows the digestion to take place of any food that the person ate or drank before going to sleep. But, and Rabbi Nezal went on to say, if this happens to a person because of these reasons, because of eating or tiredness or these kind of things, then it's nothing. It's not a sin. There's no spiritual damage caused by it. it it's like a child, a, a small child who's not toilet trained yet, you know, wetting themselves at night. Rabbi Nezal went on to say, there are times that from heaven, they protect a person and the person is saved from this, this happening to them. <laughs> and, and sometimes a person could be sleeping and during their sleep, they experience a feeling like they're falling, suddenly falling, and they wake up. And that's an indication that from heaven, they were saving a person from this type of pigam. It's only when it happens to a person because the person was consciously thinking sinful thoughts or looking at what they shouldn't have looked at, that's when it's a major sin and it creates klipas, it creates very powerful forces of tumor, as is expressed in the Zohar Kodesh in Bereshis, page 19, and in many, many holy books. However, if a person on that day, on the day that it happens, the person will recite these 10 chapters of Tehillim, it will definitely be a major, major correction. And 
and many tzaddikim, many great tzaddikim that tried to discover this, this formula, and they worked very hard to be able to try to find the complete tikkun for this. Some of them had no idea what it's all about. Some of them started to understand a little bit, but they passed away while they were in the middle. They weren't successful in completing this, this project. But Rabbi Nezal said, for me, Hashem helped me that I was to understand this completely and to get to the, to get to fully realize the, the tikkun for this. And, and now Rabbi Nezal says, this tikkun of these 10 chapters of Tehillim is something completely new, an incredible chiddish and an awesome, awesome tikkun. If a person can go to the mikveh and then recite them, it's, it's, it's wonderful. But even if chas v'shalom, for whatever reason, the person cannot go to the mikveh, for example, the person is sick or they're traveling, they're not in a place where they have access to a mikveh, still, they sh if they recite these 10 chapters of Tehillim, they're very, very lucky because it's an incredible, awesome tikkun. If the person gets to say these 10 chapters with kavana, really thinking about the words that they're saying, of course, it's excellent. <clears throat> but even if not, even if the person doesn't understand the words that they're saying, just reciting the words is a major, major tikkun. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal said that from the time of creation, this was not known. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nassau went on to say, of course, I, I would have wanted to do away with this completely, to be able to eliminate this problem completely, meaning that it shouldn't happen, that a person should not experience this type of thing. However, that's not possible, not physically and not spiritually. It's not possible physically because in order for it to take place, in order to physically change the nature of the human body, <clears throat> that this shouldn't happen, it would require changing the nature of mankind on a permanent basis. And Rabbi Nassau says that's impossible because even Moshe Rabbeinu and other tzaddikim <clears throat> who performed miracles where they overrode nature it was only for a, a period of time, <clears throat> and it was only in a specific area. For example, splitting the Red Sea that took place in that location at that given time, or the splitting of the Jordan River, which Yeshua did, or other miracles, which again took place within a unit of time. Whereas to change the nature of mankind, <clears throat> that each and every single person has to work on themselves. And, and number one, that each and every person would have to do themselves. And in addition to make a permanent change, <clears throat> that's something that's impossible. And then Rabbeinu, that's on a physical level. And Baruchnius also, again, Hashem doesn't want certain challenges to be taken away from us. He doesn't want the klipois to be eliminated totally yet. However, these 10 chapters of Tehillim are incredible and wondrous and very special. <clears throat> An additional point 
that Rabbeinazal said to these two students that in appointing them as witnesses, that when my life will come to an end, anyone who will come to my gravesite and recite these 10 chapters of Tehillim there and give a coin to charity, then even, even if that person has committed many, many, many great sins, I'll do everything in my power. I'll use every iota of power that I have to, to the length and the breadth to help that person and to repair that person. And Rabbi Nassau said that I feel very confident and strong in everything that I say, but in this, um, I feel stronger that these 10 chapters of Tehillim help tremendously. And they are chapter 16, 32, 41, 42, 59, 77, 90, 105, 137, and 150. And a person should say them in this order, in the order that they're found in the book of Tehillim, in numerical order. And Rabbi Nezal said that this, he referred to this as tikkun hakloli, meaning a general tikkun, that in addition to being able to rectify this problem of mikrelaila, this is a general tikkun that's a repair for any and all types of sins. We find that in chapter 29 in Likudim Ran, there Rabbi Nezal elaborates on this term tikkun hakloi, the term that, that because the individual sins that a person does are related to individual parts of the body, and it's very difficult to be able to get to each and every individual place, Hashem has given us the possibility of a tikkun hakloi, a general tikkun, whereby correcting this automatically results in bringing tikkun to all the different areas that require tikkun. Rabbi Nezal went on to say that, that he wants this to be revealed to everybody. This should be told to everybody. And he said, even though this is not a difficult thing, this is relatively easy to just recite 10 chapters of Tehillim, still, people are going to find it very, very difficult to fulfill this. And Rav Nosenzal says, sure enough, we saw this in our time even, that unfortunately, due to our many sins, and because of the major opposition that there was against Rav Nosenzal, most people shied away and weren't interested in fulfilling this. But Rabbi Nassau informed us about this up front. He told us that this would be the case. And we have done our part to inform people to let whoever wants know about this tikkun. And each person should do what they, what they feel. Those that want to listen, listen. And those that don't, don't. We have at least saved ourselves by doing our part in making this available, making the tikkun akloli available to the world. I mentioned David Asulin before, it should be as chus for him and his wife, Shendel Basleya, they should both be healthy, and Ari Hasyan Shonen Toivim, that recently, <clears throat> a few years ago, he got on fire 
and decided to make a Tikkun HaKloli Oilami, to get the whole world to say Tikkun HaKloli at the same time, and worked very hard together with other friends to try to make this happen, and, and did this once or twice, starting at the Koiso and other places, and trying to get thousands of people to recite the Tikkun HaKloli together at the same time in different parts of the world. Now, Rav Nassim Zaliyads, and this that we find that the author of the Sefer Seder Tikkun Shabbos quotes these 10 chapters of Tehillim, and he quotes it in the name of another book, Asoro Hilulim, Rav Nassim Zal says, it's not true. That's not the, where it originated. And Rav Nassim Zal says, take a look in the Sefer Tikkun Moyed, and you'll see that over there in the Sefer Tikkun Moyed, it says very clearly that the rabbi says to recite these 10 chapters of Tilm, which were revealed by Rabbi Nachman. And so too, many other Sfarim that quote this, they all say that this was revealed by Rabbi Nachman Mibreslev. And Rabbi Nachman says, if you'll take a look at these other books that quote it, that mention it, you'll see that all of them were published after Rabbeinazal passed away on Chalamoid of the year 5571. Rabbi says, maybe that rabbi and others like him, you know, who, who mentioned the Tikkun HaKloi and they don't attribute it to Rabbi Nachman, could be because they wanted people to say it. And they knew that there are some people who oppose Rabbi Nachman. And if they hear it's from Rabbi Nachman, they won't do it. That's why they followed what the Gemara says, that you're allowed to alter the truth. You're allowed to change the truth for the sake of peace, especially when it, regarding such an important thing. But, but now, based on what we're saying here, you can understand that what we said before, that this is a new, brand new tikkun, that no one knew about this from the time of creation. And when we say it, we have in mind that we're saying it as taught to us by Rabbi Nachman Mibreslev. Rabbi Nassim says, so that Rabbi Nassim's lips should move in the grave. The Gemara says, when you recite something, a Dvar Torah, in the name of a particular tzaddik, then that tzaddik's lips move in the grave, meaning it, it, it gives him life. Now, even though Tehillim was written by Dovid HaMelech, Rabbi Tzaddikim, but when we recite the Tikkun HaKloli, we have in mind, I'm saying this because my rabbi, Rabbi Nachman, said to recite these 10 chapters in this order, in this manner. And this obviously is a tremendous nachas to Rabbi Nezal. And Sadikim yearned for this. Rabbi Nezal says, it's because of this that I felt it's so important to elaborate and, and tell this whole story. And Rabbi Nezal's merit should stand for us to protect us and, and save us from all of our sins and all of our suffering and, and, and give us all the salvation that we need. Amen. Can you hear us? Any questions, please? It's spoken very much of Mikre Laila, a complete accident that came either from eating, drinking, and thoughts. What if it's a little more than a Mikre Laila? Then it's recalled Chitzoas Zera Levatolo or Maksha Atzmoilodas, 
when a person forces, when a person causes this intentionally to happen, that's something, that's another thing, which is, again, it's, it's referred to as one of the worst crimes, spiritual crimes that a person could commit in terms of the damage that it causes. Okay, it's good to know that it's one of the worst, but is there a tikkun? The answer is yes. Tikkun haklali, again, tikkun haklali and mikvah and tshuva. These, these, so if tikkun haklali is a, a tikkun for makshat moiladas or whatever, you know, so why is it only, why is it referred to as a tikkun haklali for mikre lailo? The word klali, there's, there's a few issues here. Mikre lailo is something prevalent where Rabbi Nezal said three quarters of, of people are, are unfortunately are victimized by this. It happens to them. And therefore, he addressed that area so openly, you know, so powerfully and openly. But again, in chapter 29 in Likud Imran and in many other places, he makes, and Rabbi Nezal throughout Likud Elochis makes it very clear that all of these all of these things go under the category of Pegama Bris. It's all under the umbrella term of Pegama Bris, of which there are several different, di- different forms. And, and the Tikkun Akloli is a Tikkun for all types of Pegama Bris. When Rabbi Nezal introduced it, at first he introduced it related to Mikra Laila. But again, he called it Tikkun Hakloli. And it's mentioned in many places in that term. And in chapter 29, he makes it perfectly clear that not even, not only for Pegama Bris, but for all types of sins, Chilol Shabbos, eating non-kosher, everything is also included in this. The major focus is Pegama Bris. And in Pegama Bris, all types of Pegama Bris, all types. But it's, it's Chloe, it relates to every different type of sin. Anyone else, please? Yeah, um, Rabbi, why did the Rabbeinu wanted to reveal this, this Tikkun only in front of these two, these two individuals? I, I didn't catch that. Why, why was that specific? Good question. Wait, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why. But one of the questions that's asked is, what about Rav Nassanzal, who was like the most important person in Rav Nassanzal's life? How come he wasn't there? And, and there are a number of... I've heard some comments related to that. Number one, interestingly, the opening chapter of Tikkunak Loli, chapter 16 in Tehillim, begins with the word Michdan. And the last word in that chapter is Netzach. And I've heard, I heard from one of the elders of Breslov that, that there's a concept of Arvus in, in, in financial matters. If someone is in a desperate financial situation and they have to borrow money, but the lender is concerned that if he's going to lend money to this borrower, I'm not sure that this guy is going to be able to pay it back. So I want a co-signer. I want somebody strong, somebody who I know that this person definitely has money and this person definitely can pay this sum. I want him to co-sign this debt. I want him to say that if, if the borrower doesn't pay up, 
he'll cover it. <clears throat> That's called Arev, an Arev, a cosigner. <clears throat> and what Rabbi Nassau was saying in, in actuality is that if a person, when all of our obligations to Hashem are referred to in Shulchan Aruch as Chayav, we are required to do this. You're required to keep Shabbos. You're required to guard your eyes. You're required to do this. The word chayev means required. And the word chayev also in financial matters means you owe, you owe money. So that if a person violates any of these chayevs, they're in debt. We become indebted to Hashem. We have a negative balance with Hashem. The tzaddik, the role of the tzaddik is the role of orev if he wants. The tzaddik can say, <clears throat> he has a negative balance of 800,000, I'm covering it. I have a positive balance of trillions and trillions and trillions. I'll, I'll handle that, I'll cover that. <clears throat> and the way that a person would say that is they would say, I will pay your debt. If you're not capable of paying your debt, I will pay your debt. And the person signs their name. That's the co-signer. If you take a look at the first four words in the Tikkun HaKloli, Michtam Ledovid Shamreni Kel, the first letters of those four words make up the word Ashalem. I will pay. <clears throat> the next three words, I Chasisi Vach, spell the word Chavcha. I will pay your debt. Who's the I? The last word in that paragraph is Netzach. Netzach is Bigimatria Nachman. Nachman. That hidden in these words of the Tikna Kloli <clears throat> is this message that Rabbeinazal would reveal this secret of the Tikna Kloli by which he is taking responsibility. Rabbeinazal said, <clears throat> I'll take your past on condition that starting today, you're going to try to be a good boy or a good girl. You're going to try to do the right thing from here on in, that kind of thing. So he's, a, he's an RA, but you, only if you default on your loan, you have, to, you have to do your own work, I guess. Exactly, exactly. We're still required to do as much as we can on our own, no question about it. But to know that somebody has, I have your back. That Rabbein is not saying, I have your back and I have your front. Now, interestingly, the word michtam is bigimatria nasan. The word netzach is bigimatria nachman. So that in this first chapter of Tehillim, it's made clear that these two are working together. Rabbein Azal, for whatever reasons Rabbein Azal understood, he wanted to be mezaka, these two other who are among the greatest of his students, Rab Naftali Zal and Rab Zal, in choosing them as, as the witnesses, as the witnesses. That's beautiful. It's also that Rav uh, Nachman, I think he's a, he's a Gilgal of Roshim Baruchai. I think Roshim Baruchai was a Gilgal of Moshe Rabbeinu, whose sphere is Netzach. Exactly. They're all part of this chain, this holy chain of Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, the Arizal, the Baal Shem Tov, and Rabbi Nezal. This is a very, very special chain of Yechide Hadoyos, extraordinary tzaddikim. Oh, thank you. Sure. So we, we, don't, we don't know exactly why those, those two individuals, though. 
but it was shtickle edus. It's interesting that I, I was just wondering if the Rav is giving a, sh a special shear over Zoom uh, on Purim this week by any chance? I'm trying. I'm going to try to make a shear. We have done it in the fall. I'm going to try to do it in the shear. But before, before that, even tomorrow is the yard site of Moshe Rabbeinu. Tomorrow is Zion Ador, which is a, the, the, it's one of the rare yard sites that's mentioned in the Gemara. The Gemara says that when Haman did his lottery and it came out to the month of Adar to choose which month would be the greatest month to try to destroy the Jewish nation, and it fell on Adar, he was excited because he, he knew that Moshe Rabbeinu had died during this month. But the Gemara says he didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu was also born in this month. And there's two interpretations of that. Number one, his physical birthday was Zayin Adar. And in addition, when a tzaddik dies, he's born. He starts a new life, a bigger life, a better life. So that, that tomorrow is a very, very holy, especially important day, Zion Ador. And as was met, the person mentioned that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, that thousands of people in Eretz Yisrael tried to go to Miron on Zion Ador. It's one of the special days for going to Miron based on this connection between Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Shimon Bar We should be zeche. Now, Zayin Ador is also the same as Yudalad Ador, which is Purim, the regular day of Purim, which comes out on the, the, the Shulchan Aruch says that Purim and Lagba Omer always come out on the same day of the week. And, and those, those days come out on the same day also as the, the yard site of, of Rabbeinazal on the 18th of Tishrei. We should be, Rabbi Shema Bar is the 18th of Eor, and Rabbeinazal is the 18th of Tishrei. We should be zeichet that all of these tzaddikim should do everything in their power to help us be zeichet to Tikkun Abris and Tikkun Akloli and Simcha, especially this month of Adar, that Hashem should take away all the pain and suffering and, and sadness and replace it with true simcha and hatzlacha and yeshuas and refuas for all of us, Mitzvah Shem. Thank you so much. Thank you, Reb Nassar. Yes. Yes. In you've said it night. Definitely. Most definitely. This question has been raised many times that there are sforum that say a person should not say Tehillim at night. The answer is, if a person has a choice, it's preferred maybe during the day. But I saw my rabbis many, many times reciting Tikkun Akloli in the evening at the Kaisa in Mekayim Esaktoshim, you know, and, and at all times. It's definitely okay as part of Chatzos. Definitely okay. Even on Tishabov at, at Chasseis. If a person cannot say all 10 chapters in a row, then they can split it up if they need to, if they have to. Say five and five, or say two and two and two, that, you know, if a person has to. It's best if a person can do it in one sitting. And if possible, not even to talk out from beginning to end, but it's definitely acceptable if a person has to split it up, you know, etc. Or Hashem.
Thank you, Rabbi Hassan. All the best.